Hello, and thanks for tuning in to Plug In with Power Sports Finance, a monthly podcast that talks with industry experts about all the important trends and topics in the power sports space. I'm your host, Matt Wood, Associate Editor of Power Sports Finance. It is December, the new decade is fast approaching, so what better time to look back and review all the OEM ups and downs of 2019? With me today is Garrick Johnson, an analyst with BMO Capital Markets. Thanks for joining me today, Garrick. Hey, uh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me, Matt. No worries. Uh, no, obviously, Garrick, you, you spend a lot of time uh, covering power sports OEMs, you know, largely Harley-Davidson, BRP, Polaris, uh, as well as uh, you know, some RV and marine manufacturers. Uh, ex- excluding uh, RV and marine from the list, uh, you know, what did you think of OEM performance in 2019? Well, uh, 2019 was a tough year. Performance uh, this year lagged expectations, and I think the tone was set in the spring with you know, extremely wet and, and cold weather. We watched the weather closely, and, and we saw that precipitation was both higher than normal and, and higher than last year from basically March through June in that time frame. So as you know, Matt, uh, when, when weather is, is, is poor in the spring, the season will get off to a slow start, and that'll, that'll hurt sales. Uh, we did see business pick up, though, through uh, July, July through, say, November, as weather trends greatly improved in the back half of the year, and we saw retail sales uh, bounce back because of it. But still, uh, even with the uh, dry summer and, and fall, uh, a lot of OEMs, um, you know, they did make up some sales, but they didn't make up all of it, and it's very easy to defer sales to, to the next year. So we're hopeful that in 2020 we'll make up some of the sales that we missed in, in 2019. But, but overall, performances below expectations, uh, low single-digit kind of declines, and maybe some, uh, some uh, single-digit uh, uh, increases in some hot categories like side-by-sides. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah, that's that's a tough spot to get uh, hit on. It's hard. It's hard to recover uh, during you know that that peak buying season when there's just uh, the weather is just not agreeing with you. Do you think that there were any you know uh, highs and lows that you can think of, be it with any specific companies, with uh, in general, what was like the best moments, what were some of the not so great moments? Well, yeah, we, we've still got uh, very strong performance in certain categories that have powered through the weather, uh, much like side-by-sides and personal watercraft have both been, uh, both been strong. But even those growth rates decelerated uh, significantly from where they had been uh, in the past. Um, we've had uh, great innovation across the board. There's no problem there. Uh, great innovation, um, a, a lot of uh, you know, companies cre- creating uh, some really nice product We've seen uh, some of the Japanese players step up their game a little bit, uh, who might have, been, might have been lagging in certain categories. So the innovation was, was probably the high point, uh, uh, and the low point, of course, was the weather. Mm, gotcha. And in, in your opinion, you know, who's finishing uh, 2019 in, in the strongest uh, position? Who's kind of uh, sticking out to you? Well, that's pretty easy. That's BRP. Mm-hmm. BRP is the clear winner, in my opinion. Uh, they're driving 20% plus retail growth in its off-road business. Uh, they're practically doubling retail in their Spider, Riker, three-wheeled motorcycle business, uh, and they continue to grow sales in the personal watercraft segment. Uh, and if uh, it continues to snow like it like it has, uh, they should be doing pretty well in snowmobiles this winter as well. Uh, the weakest, I would say, would be Yamaha. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see a lot of dealer complaints about their business with Yamaha, particularly on off-road motorcycles. Uh, and some of these complaints uh, 
quite actually are, are unfit for me to repeat on this podcast. Uh, it's a lot of things. It's lack of innovation. It's pricing. It's lack of margin promotions. Uh, so Yamaha has been uh, the definite laggard in uh, OEM uh, in the OEM world this year. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And when you say like lack of innovation, maybe you can elaborate on what innovation means. Does it mean in their product line with the specific vehicles themselves? Sure. It's it's with the vehicles themselves. It, it encompasses a lot of things. Um, you know, it, it's uh, performance. It's fit and finish. Uh, it's design, it's, uh, it's a lot of things. And um, that's, uh, you know, Yamaha is one of the biggest brands out there. There are a lot of dealers of Yamaha products. So um, I guess that would also explain why we get a lot more complaints about Yamaha as well, uh, because it does have uh, a lot of dealers and, and frankly, high expectations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. And, you know, for taking it back to BRP, you know, is there anything in your mind that kind of, um, you know, sticks out or any particular reason that, you know, they kind of have been seeing this growth? They've kind of been getting that, you know, quarter after quarter, earnings after or- earnings, uh, you know, reporting growth, you know, what kind of sticks out to you? Well, you know, one thing I want to mention that I probably uh, should have mentioned in, in one of your earlier questions is, um, you know, in 2019, one of the big takeaways from 2019 was that high-end product is, befor- is performing much better. Mm-hmm. We see it in this a high-performance side-by-side segment. We see it uh, in the high-end of personal watercraft. Uh, you're not talking about boats here, but we do see it in boats as well, a lot mm-hmm. of strength at the high-end. And look, BRP creates, they, they build an enthusiast product. Uh, so they're going to benefit from that uh, gravitation towards uh, higher-end product, more, more uh, enthusiast-oriented product. Um, and uh, furthermore, BRPs had a lot more white space opportunities, let's say. You know, uh, they go head-to-head with Polaris and off-road for that enthusiast, uh, that enthusiast uh, category. Um, Polaris is, is pretty much fully distributed across North America. Uh, BRP still has some pockets of, of distribution opportunity. But furthermore, it's an opportunity for them to get uh, existing dealers to sell more of their product. And what I mean by that, they have uh, five or six distinct categories. You have personal watercraft, you have snowmobile. Uh, Some dealers may just have sold personal watercraft, and there's an opportunity to get their off-road product uh, into those dealerships. Um, You know, it it took a while, but the word's out now. You know, the word's out now that the guys who make that awesome Sea-Doo personal watercraft you love or that awesome Ski-Doo snowmobile you enjoy riding so much, hey, they actually make a great off-road product, too, under the Can-Am brand. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, that's helping them uh, quite a bit, filling out those uh, opportunities, those white spaces. They're not fully distributed in uh, trail-ready product, for example. They probably still have some gaps in their coverage on, on the Defender utility vehicles. So still a lot of domestic opportunity there. And, of course, international is something we haven't talked about, but uh, they're well-positioned to build out that strategy internationally. Uh, you can't go talking about uh, OEMs without bringing up you know, Harley. It, it seems to me they had a year with you know, maybe some ups and downs. Um, you know, what did they have to do, you know, to get into, tw- into 2020, you know, going strong? What do they got to do to kind of uh, capitalize on it? Ups and downs. You're, you're, you're being very generous. It's mostly been downs for Harley. I think they did have one up month in retail and uh, 10 down ones. But um, anyway, Harley's mission is clear. Attract new riders, right? Mm. It's, it's well known. Their core 
customer. Their core consumer base is aging, not riding quite as much. Meanwhile, younger generations, they're moving to urban areas. The touring lifestyle on a motorcycle doesn't necessarily appeal to them. So a refreshed Sportster line uh, is long overdue. Uh, and then solid execution on its new bike strategy. Uh, they're bringing in some, um, some new motorcycles in areas that are not core to them, such as street fighter, adventure touring, and, of course, uh, electric. You know, uh, if they, the challenge is here is for them to uh, bring out an affordable electric motorcycle. Right now, the $30,000 live wire mm -hmm. uh, is not necessarily resonating with their core customer because it only gets 95 miles on a charge highway, uh, and it's not resonating with the younger consumers because it's $30,000. So those, those are the challenges they need to have a strong 2020 uh, and really, it's more about 2021 because the Street Fighter Adventure Touring Bikes, uh, they come out uh, not for this model year, but the next model year and thereafter. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Yeah, it's it, it's weird to think of them as like an underdog, but that's almost kind of how I view them when I like read about them or when like their earnings come out. Like when I like when they hit some snags, I think with the Livewire, you know, this year said it was going to come out uh, in like August and dealers didn't seem to really begin it until into the fall you know it, it, it's just kind of interesting how the perspective on them has kind of like shifted o over these years yeah i would say that your characterization as an underdog um makes some some element of sense especially in the investor community because the uh, valuation multiple uh, how investors you know value this company uh, it is an underdog. It, uh, it, it trades at uh, a valuation of 10 times, uh, 10 times earnings, mm -hmm. 10 or 11 times earnings. And, and uh, other, other companies like BRP's 14 times earnings, uh, Polaris is 15 times, uh, and we look at um, uh, you know, some of the boat companies at 12, our RV companies at 12. So it's the cheapest stock in my leisure group that I cover. So, yeah, uh, investors are looking at it as an underdog. Hmm. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, speaking while we're kind of uh, near the subject of, you know, electrification, you know, I think that's probably one of the biggest, you know, kind of buzzwords in the industry. You know, obviously, Harley has the live wire. Uh, BRP revealed some concepts. Uh, Polaris, uh, like, just created an entirely new position all about electrification strategy. You know, are these efforts uh, in electrification, you know, for all these uh, OEMs, is this going to be, you know, a big impact in 2020? Is it something that's um, going to be uh, bigger in, you know, in not next year, but in the years in the future? Yeah, definitely not uh, 2020 uh, nor 2021. This is way further out in the future. Um, there's still a lot of tech technological advancement we need in battery technology primarily, uh, extending the range and um, also making them more uh, lighter uh, mm. so that they uh, will, uh, you know, be applicable in these sort of, in these sort of vehicles. Right now, um, adding a thousand pounds to an off-road vehicle just isn't practical. Mm. And, you know, uh, what are your thoughts on the industry heading into 2020? Well, uh, 2020 is going to be consumed by the election, mm -hmm. uh, and the uncertainty that goes along with that could cause retail, retail sales to slow. 
Uh, I do anticipate the economy still being strong. Uh, the underlying consumer sentiment still actually be solid. But like 2016, as we get closer to November, I expect sales to slow, and, and, and mostly it's due to that uncertainty. Mm, gotcha. Do you think that that uncertainty, is that going to be the big challenge of 2020? Is there anything in particular that's you know going to be the hurdle to jump? Well, that's the biggest uh, challenge uh, specific mm. to 2020. Mm-hmm. But I think there are bigger challenges that are uh, in 2020 and beyond. Uh, you know, we talked about uh, Harley Davidson's challenge in motorcycles, but it's the challenge for the entire the entire power sports industry. Uh, dealers bring it up all the time. You know, the average age of a Harley rider might be close to 50, but the average age of an off-road enthusiast is not far behind. So uh, getting new riders, new customers into these sports is paramount. Uh, the other big challenge is affordability. You know, as industries grow and mature, products get bigger, more horsepower, more features, and they get more expensive. Uh, and once in a while, you need a reset. And uh, we, we could be getting to that point in, in, in certain sub-segments of, of power sports. Um, but uh, look what BRP did in 2014 when they brought out the Sea uh, Dew Spark. It was $6,000, about three or $4,000 cheaper than anything else on the market. Uh, the affordability and the ease of rideability of that product, that brought a lot of new participants in the sport. And since then, personal watercraft retail has grown at a compound annual rate of 11% since 2014, faster than all the categories except for wake surf boats, which also grew 11%. So to put it in context, uh, the side-by-side industry, which has been one of the fastest-growing uh, segments of power sports, has grown at a compound annual rate of 7%. So personal watercraft, something that's been around since the 60s, actually, um, uh, growing faster than an industry, really, that e- evolved uh, through the uh, 2010s and teens uh, and, and showing a robust growth rate of 11%. Uh, so that's what affordability can do, and uh, I think that's probably the biggest challenge. And it goes hand in hand with uh, bringing new riders in, you know, making the product affordable, easy to use. Um, those are challenges that kind of go hand in hand. Yeah, I mean, who who would have thought that the that people like to do uh, fun things uh, for cheap? <laughs> but uh, you know, Garrick, you know, I think that just about uh, wraps it up for us. But do you have any final thoughts or comments that you wanted to make? I don't think I have any further thoughts or comments. We've covered a lot of ground here. Um, yeah, I just uh, think that if um, the election were not to happen next year, I think we'd actually see a nice bounce back next year. Um, look, we're going to have easy comparisons in the spring. Hopefully we're at more normalized uh, weather situation next year, and, and we can see a bounce back from that. Um, one other thing that I will say is that um, the cadence of sales and the weather impact on sales has, has been showing some interesting trends. Um, what we've seen, whether you're, whatever your stance on climate change is, um, the dealers I talk to believe something's going on here. What we're seeing is that the winters aren't as cold. We're not getting as much snow, but they're lasting longer. Um, we're seeing winter-like weather go further into the spring. and while this spring was an awful spring weather-wise, mm-hmm. you may forget, last year's spring was terrible, too. 2017's was awful. 
the last time we had a really good spring with great weather where we were getting out and on these vehicles, you know, in northern climates in March and April, that was 2012. So what we're seeing is we're seeing the season get off to a later and later start every year, but also last longer and longer to the end of the year. So we're seeing, uh, like we saw this year, we saw, we've been seeing good performance in uh, September, October, uh, which, you know, the season's never lasted that long in the past. So uh, and some retailers are adapting. You know, some retailers would say, hey, May used to be my best month. Now it's June. Um, so um, there's something going on with the climate. It's affecting power sports. Uh, and uh, so I can't be certain that in 2020 we're going to have a better spring because we thought we were going to have a better spring uh, after the 2018 spring, and the 2019 spring was probably one of the worst ones I've experienced in uh, being in this business for uh, over 10 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let, let's hope it turns around. Weather is uh, maybe one of the, the most uh, unpredictable uh, things, uh, depending. Uh, so let's just hope that all turns around. But uh, Well, weather, weather and tweets are the two most unpredictable <laughs> things. And, uh, you know, the, the, the tweets and tariffs and trade is something I should have mentioned also. That's been a challenge. It's been a challenge particularly for the American manufacturers. Uh, Polaris, ironically, and Harley-Davidson, also ironically, are the two biggest um, are the two biggest OEMs that got hurt the most from this trade war. Uh, BRP makes all its product in Mexico and Canada and ships to the United States. Polaris makes product in Mexico as well, but the bulk of it in the United States. Harley makes it all in the United States, and they're getting hit uh, not necessarily on the supply chain, but on the reciprocal tariffs into Europe going from uh, 6% to 31%. So tariffs and trade, that's also a big consideration as well. And uh, hopefully it's something that um, um, we can mitigate in 2020 and and, and we can help some of the uh, American manufacturers. Yeah, definitely. And we'll all be keeping a a close eye to see how those things turn out. Uh, But uh, awesome, Garrick. So I think that just about uh, wraps us up here. So thanks uh, so much for joining me today. Uh, And if I don't see you until next year, uh, have a happy holiday. Okay, great. Thank you, Matt. You too. I just wanted to thank Garrick once again for having that great discussion. This is Plug In with Power Sports Finance. I'm Matt Wood. And if you'll forgive the dad joke, we'll see you next year.